Welcome to Diversity Matters, the podcast about diversity, equity, and inclusion at Ireland Home-Based Services. I'm your co-host, Jennifer Wells. And I am your other co-host, Susanna Olivas. To start this episode, we want to remind you what DE&I stands for. The D stands for diversity, E stands for equity, and I stands for inclusion. We also want to remind you that the mission statement for the DE&I committee is working together to build a diverse, equitable, and inclusive environment for all. This episode, we want to talk about working with clients who are of a different ethnic background and or culture than your own. Whether this is something that you have to deal with daily or something that you have not yet encountered, we want to make sure that there are things that you keep in mind when working with minority groups. The different minority groups that you may work with include African American, Hispanics or Latinos, Asian and Pacific Islanders, American Indians or Native Americans, Middle Eastern Americans, and many, many more. Every region will work with different minority groups. It may be a good idea to talk to others on your team about the clients that they most likely work with. This podcast is going to talk about different things to keep in mind when working with minority groups. Some groups may require services to be done differently than others. So let's talk about the different things to keep in mind when working with minority groups or groups that speak a different language than your own. Before we get into it, remember to keep an open mind and to ask questions when you need to. Do not be ashamed to ask for help in understanding others. To begin our conversations about minority groups, we want to define what a minority group is. According to dictionary.apa.org, a minority group is defined as a population subgroup with social, religious, ethnic, racial, or characteristics that differ from those of the majority of the population. No matter who you are working with, it is important to keep in mind that when providing interventions, you need to include empowerment as a goal. This includes helping clients understand their own oppression. You should want to help a client understand what you're working for and how you plan to help them get a better understanding in both your and their cultures. There are times where you may need to work with a client where you help them understand what DCS is and how it works. They may need to learn how things work in this country that are different than in their own country. Some clients may see DCS as a bad thing due to how DCS is ran in their own country. They may also have certain practices that differ that they will need to adjust due to the rules and laws of this country. Can you tell us about your experience in this area, Susanna? Yes, I can. In my work with clients who are part of a minority group, I have to keep in mind that they may not have a full grasp of the court system due to language or cultural barriers. Understanding the court system is difficult to understand for anyone, but when you face a language or cultural difference, it becomes more challenging. For my clients, I take a page out of the FEP program and I begin to tell them about court and who is part of the court system here. I go slowly and repeat myself often. I ask them questions before moving on to ensure they understand what I'm saying. There are times when I go over this more than once. The longer that they are part of the case, the more they seem to ask questions. I try to be patient and not get frustrated, even if I've already answered their questions many times before. So it seems like the important thing is to go slow and be patient. Yeah, especially when there's a huge language barrier. The wording is different. The way you ask questions is different. So the way things are labeled here may be different. So 
asking questions to make sure that they understand is going to be the most helpful for you to know if you can move on or not. Another thing that workers need to recognize is that behavior and coping mechanisms are not dysfunctional simply because they don't match our dominant culture patterns. Due to religious or cultural backgrounds, some families may deal with things in a different manner than your own. This could also be because your own religious and cultural backgrounds may affect the way you do things. It is important to keep an open mind while still thinking about client safety at all times. And the opposite of what you just said is also true. It is important to not spend too much time on the culture of a client because this may cause you to make excuses for dysfunctional behavior that a client may be presenting. We need to keep in mind that while it is important to be aware of how our client's behaviors may be affected by their culture or religion, this is not an excuse for them to behave in a negative or destructive way towards themselves, their family, their children, you, or their other providers. Another thing to keep in mind is that a client might assume that a worker with a different ethnicity may not understand them. They may think that because they have a different way of living and understanding of their lives, they're not going to see eye to eye with their worker. This might decrease the likelihood that the client will begin or continue in their services. The same might even be true the other way around. A worker can assume that the client will understand their way of living and understanding and can cause issues with their desire to see client engagement. When working with a client with a different culture than your own, it is important to remember that cultural competence requires the continuous development of a practitioner's cultural sensitivity, awareness, knowledge, and skills. It is important to take the time to learn and to interact with others. No matter what minority group or person you are working with, it is important to be patient with what they are trying to say to you. It might take them longer to say exactly what they need to say due to not knowing how to say it correctly in English. Don't be afraid to help them. You can even write down what they are trying to say and translate it online. This method may not be perfect, but it can show your client that you are patient and that you're willing to work with them. It can help you build rapport and your client's trust in just making that little bit of effort with them. One of the biggest minority groups that you may work with that offer different challenges are those that identify as Hispanic and or Latino. Something to keep in mind when working with a Spanish-speaking client is the difference in Hispanic and Latino. The word Hispanic is a word used to describe people from or descending from Spanish-speaking countries, while the term Latino, in a broader sense, refers to people using languages derived from Latin, including Spanish, French, Italian, Portuguese, and Romanian. We would advise you to use caution and avoid the assumption that all Latinos share the same language, citizenship, and experience. There are many different kinds of Latinos who may speak different languages and have different cultural traditions or norms. You should always ask your client what they prefer to be called by, Hispanic or Latino. There are many different Latinos living in the U.S. that come from Mexico, Puerto Rico, Cuba, Colombia, Brazil, and many, many others. This is going to impact language that they use due to the differences in their speech patterns, their vocabulary, their diction, and even their vernacular usage. An example of this would be that those with Puerto Rican background may speak a little bit louder, and this may come off as yelling. 
To them, they are talking with expression and do not mean to come off as rude or aggressive. If you are uncomfortable, it may be a good idea for you to ask the client if they are upset in any way. This may be a good time for you to talk to your client about your own culture and ways to help them get a better understanding. Remember that you cannot share personal information, so this can be done as a generalization. There are different things to be mindful of when working with Hispanic and or Latin clients. In some households, the children may assume adult roles as a result of their better understanding of American culture and language. If an interpreter is not present, the children may be asked to interpret for the adults. This can cause more confusion as the children may not have a full understanding of both languages. The children should also not be used for interpreting due to topics that adults might be talking about. This is also something that I have a lot of experience with personally. Growing up, I was always there to help translate for my parents. As a kid, I was not as confident doing this as I am now, but I knew that I was also more capable to do this than my own parents. I would have to translate what the TV was saying, what my school papers would say, or even what their own mail would say, whether it was bills or just a random thing that came in and they thought it was important, but it wasn't. Um, I still help them out to this day with the wording because it's different than it is in English and Spanish. They still call me. I When I visit them, they have papers sitting out. Almost always I go through their papers and I help them figure out what is important and what is not. Something else to be mindful of is that when setting up an appointment, there may be some confusion regarding appointment times and scheduling. One must use a present time orientation and also write down the times and dates in both English and Spanish or the native language that they may speak. Again, something else I have experience with. Growing up, I can tell you that no matter what time we left, we were always late. As social workers, we kind of have this experience, but it was definitely my whole life. When it came to our appointments, games, or graduations, my siblings and I would tell my parents the wrong time on purpose so that they could actually get there late at the right time. So let's say a game was at five, I would tell my parents I needed to be there at four, and 99% of the time I would get there at five. So technically I was on time, but they didn't know that. They just thought I was actually an hour late. That's fantastic. (laughs) Something else to keep in mind is that Hispanic culture is family dominated. Due to this, families are more likely to live in a blended household. You will see cousins, grandparents, aunts, uncles, and sometimes in-laws all living under one roof together. However, if they do not have their family with them, it is important to consider that their primary support system may still be in their home country. They may be lacking the support that they need and may need help making a new support system here where they live now. Let's talk about how working with clients who may not be legal in this country is different. Some of the clients we work with may need extra help due to them not being able to receive benefits. Due to their immigration status, they will not be able to have a social security number that will allow them to get a job, to get food stamps, health insurance, and many other things. Clients may also be more afraid to even ask and or accept help due to them thinking that they are more likely to get deported. A person with no legal status may need to get a job that pays them under the table. They may also need to work a job that pays them less while they work more hours. Yes, I have actually had several clients who were not able to work due to not having a social security number. However, due to DCS standards, they needed to have a job. 
So we had to get a little bit more creative. So I've had several clients that began to work for themselves, cleaning homes or job sites for people that they actually already knew. It was not a lot of money, but it was enough for them to show DCS that they are willing to work and do what they need to do to provide for their families. Another barrier that is seen with no social security number is the inability to apply for and receive food stamps. However, if the client's children were born in the United States, the children are eligible for food stamps. You can take the parents to food banks and food pantries. You will need to keep in mind that some food banks may need an ID for these clients. And as these clients do not have a social security number, they will not be able to provide an ID. So just make sure to see what is needed before you take your client to a food bank or food pantry. Yeah, and another challenge that may present itself is that clients may not have health insurance. Due to no social security number, they're not even eligible for Medicaid. This will create a challenge of its own as clients may not want to go to the doctor unless it is absolutely necessary, and even then, they may be too afraid to go. It is important to talk to your clients and let them know that going to a doctor is not something that will get them deported. Another thing to think about when it comes to working with Hispanic and or Latino clients is that they may not believe in mental health issues, which may cause them to not seek help. This may require more of an understanding from your client of what mental health issues are and how and why to treat mental health issues. When working with a client who does not speak English, it is important to have an interpreter. This will help with the language barrier and help with understanding each other. It may also be helpful if a client needs to get to an appointment if you can have an interpreter present to help the client understand what is being said to them during that appointment. Thank you again for listening to our latest episode of Diversity Matters. To recap this episode, we talked about how to work with minority groups who may be our clients. We also talked about what to keep in mind and what to think about differently when it comes to these groups. Once again, we want you to keep an eye on your emails for upcoming episodes. We would like to have a guest on the show, so please let us know if you want to be a part of this podcast. We would like to hear from you as well, so please send us or the Diversity Committee your feedback. We also want to know what you want to hear in our podcast, so we ask for you to submit your requests as well to either us or the Diversity Committee. We can't wait to hear from you.